It's a great thing to be in a live church. Live church knows how to worship the Lord, and live church that sends people out and gets new people all the time, so we have the need to continue to introduce people that many of us are familiar with, but a great friend of this ministry, we, we, we tease Wallace, said, well, you're on staff, you just never come to church very much, but uh, he's been a blessing. Uh, we try to get Wallace out at least once a year, and so he came Friday night and ministered to the football team at the high school, and then Saturday, yesterday, in chapel to the university team, and then all day Friday, hung out with Aaron Frew, just ministering to some of the athletes, some of them are hurting, some of them are struggling, and uh, it's always a joy to have Wallace come preach the gospel. Come on, Wallace. Well, it's good to be home. I oh well, I'm static up here. Receivers just panic when they get noise around them. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Paul. Well, it's a joy to be here. I I want to bring greetings from Cheryl. Uh, we thank God for every member of this church, and not only for what God is doing in the church here in throughout the world through this church because not only are people getting saved, uh, saints are being sent uh, to other places and lives are being changed. So well, I'm thankful for that. I preach in a lot of places, but it's good to go into a place where the church is reproducing herself uh, for the glory of God. We, Cheryl and I, personally has been blessed in our family and with your prayers and financial support. Our daughter, just in our family, our daughter Carmen was blessed tremendously when she spent the summer here. It's great encouragement for her, and she went back, and now she's working at a Bible school, but thank you. Cheryl enjoyed being here, and, and have enjoyed our, our time here as a, uh, as a family, but also uh, the fruit of my ministry has increased because of your prayer and, and involvement in me personally in ministry. We, you've gone to Jackson, and the ministry there in Jackson has, was, if you will, uh, on the way down, and it's, it's just gotten life back. I have been able personally not only to be able to be more financially secure to go places and places that couldn't uh, share financially with me to keep me going, but I've been able to go because of your prayer and, and support. Uh, I was sharing with the group earlier this morning. I'm, uh, I went to North Dakota where I met Aaron Bowles who was here. Uh, he was one of the uh, guys there at the Mohead College that I spoke and spoke at a number of colleges there. But a Brandon, a young man who's a young evangelist with us, had a chance to minister with him, and now he's one of our evangelists. We're getting ready to open an office there in Fargo, in Bassford Christ region, where we'll have trained evangelists to go out to some of the um, uh, churches in, in local, how would I say this, where you have about 200 people at this, this area where there's much uh, farmers are. But they have a church. But it's hard to support a minister. So we're going to be training evangelists who's going to be itinerant evangelists that will go to these various churches. And we're going to open an office there, and Brandon will be uh, overseeing that. And I'll be helping him train evangelists. So thank you for praying with us and standing with us that we can uh, stay faithful to what God has called us to uh, take this good news of salvation. I, for you who don't know, I share this with every place I go that People see Wallace Francis, former football player, celebrity. Well, 
I say that uh, to them that not a celebrity, God saved the sinner, and I'm satisfied with his amazing grace that it was, has changed my life, and I'm thankful for some teammates of mine who were Christian. Greg Baziner, uh, Falcon, most valuable player as a linebacker in 78, uh, was a, became a Christian in 75, and another guy who was a cornerback, but those two guys had a passion to live out their faith on the football team, and Barkowski got converted, and June Jones and several people, and I became a Christian because of their involvement. Uh, you see, if you watch TV now, you see both teams coming to the middle of the field praying after a game. Well, when I was in pro football, there was not uh, only a few teams. Dallas had a chaplain. You forgive them for that. But Dallas had a chaplain. Uh, Seattle, where Steve Largent was, they had a, a team with a chaplain. Miami, Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, Washington Redskins. But those were the only teams that really had Christian emphasis, where guys who were Christian was wanting to share their faith. And these groups got together and, and formed an organization called PAO, Pro Athlete Outreach. And this group of guys, uh, they had some businessmen, CBMC, Christian businessmen, who helped them to start a conference. And every year they would have a conference. After the Pro Bowl, they would have a conference in different cities. And, and then they would pay for their teammates to, who weren't Christian. They'd pay for the wife and the, play, and the player uh, to come and be at this conference for a week. And then uh, while they're there, uh, they would uh, have activities for the guys, like playing golf and doing other things in the afternoon. And, and the wives had activities for the wives. They got their way to the mall. Uh, they did go to the mall. Wives do go to the mall. <laughs> At least mine does. But anyway, they did that. And my point was is that we heard the word of God in the morning, and then there was activities in the afternoon. Well, I went there. Uh, as a believer for the Falcon being most valuable player, they paid my way to go there. Wasn't a Christian, uh, but they paid my way to go there and had other guys who weren't Christian. And it was there that I heard the gospel for the first time at 28 years old. Uh, there was a guy named Tony Evans who spoke there. He was a Dallas Cowboys chaplain. Uh, and he said that the Bible was the playbook of life. If you want to learn how to score in life, you better read God's plays. It's in a book. And he talked the whole week on how the Bible uh, was God's playbook to learn how to live life skillfully. There was a guy named Larry Baquette spoke there, and Larry Baquette talked about the Bible and finance, how you can manage your money bi biblically. And then there was a guy named Gary Smalley who spoke about the, the Bible and family, how families should be uh, conducted according to Scripture. And then there was a guy there who spoke the first night uh, that really began, that arrested my heart, a guy named Bill Bright, who was the founder of Campus Crusade, and Bill Bright shared about God having a plan for our life. And he said God's plan was for us to know him, but we had a problem. We couldn't know God because of sin. And he said because there's sin, uh, there is a penalty for sin. The wages of sin is death. In football term, that's a guaranteed contract. Sin does pay. It pays death. And he says man is sinful and God is holy and man can't get to know God because he's a sinner. And he says some people try to get to God through their good works. Well, you can't get to God through your good works. Well, there go my United Way commercial and all my Scottish Rite Hospital stuff. Uh, and he said, but you can't get to God through And then he said, you can't get to God through your philosophy. And I thought that, you know, I wasn't a bad person, but I thought my good would outweigh my bad. But he said, God doesn't grade on the curve. He said, God demands perfection. And, uh, and then he said this, you can't get to God through your religion. That shocked me. Because when I was a freshman in college, I, we studied the world religion. And my philosophy teacher said that religion was man's way to God. We practice our religion. 
and we'd get to God. But he said, Bright said, you can't get to God through religion. He said, the only way you can get to know God is through Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No man come to the Father but by me. And that was the first time I'd ever heard that. Because my teammate with the Buffalo Bills, Amart Rashad, didn't believe that. I wasn't taught that uh, by my college professor. And so when he said that, I, he had my attention. And he said, you can't get to God through your, through your religion. The only way you can get to God is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father but by me. And I stayed the rest of the week and heard uh, uh, Tony, not Tony, but uh, yeah, uh, the Falcon, not the, the Dallas Cowboy chaplain, Tony Evans. I heard him speak the rest of the week and heard these other guys speak, and I saw the Bible had answers. And went back to Atlanta and started going to the Bible study with Barkowski, Brazina, and those guys, and heard uh, a doctor friend of mine gave me a tape by E.W. Tozer that showed me that I was a sinner, and I came to realize that I needed Jesus Christ. I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and something happened in my heart. I had a desire to know God, I had a passion to obey God, and I desired to read this book. What had happened? I'd been born again. <laughs> Jesus Christ had became my personal Lord and Savior because of his amazing grace. And so that's my testimony, and that's what I want us to look at this morning. I want to look at the testimony of every Christian this morning. There's a passage of Scripture, uh, if you have the Bible, turn with me to uh, Galatians chapter 2. And this is the testimony, I believe, uh, Paul is going to share with the Galatians church uh, the foundation and fruit of Christianity. If I had to title this message, I would title the message, uh, Amazing Grace Seen in the Life of a Saint. Grace is amazing, but it's not just facts about God, it's fellowship with God, and grace is seen in the life of every saint. The Christian can say, amazing grace and they can sing it because they've experienced it and so Paul in this this verse I'm going to read this verse in uh, Galatians chapter 2 to uh, chapter 2 verse 20 and 21 because I believe this is Paul's testimony but it's the testimony I believe of every Christian that the Christian could could uh, identify with this passage because everyone I believe experienced this one if they're Christian they've experienced this one truth in Galatians 20. Uh, so anyway, Galatians 2.20, let me just read the word, and then we'll look at it together. Galatians 2.20, Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God, or I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. Well, let's open in prayer together. Father, we give thanks this morning for your grace and mercy. We thank you for the privilege this morning to join together in the name above every name. We thank you that we can come boldly to the throne of grace to, uh, to obtain mercy, to find grace to help in the time of need. We need to hear your voice this morning. We need to see clearly. There's some here who need to uh, be born again. So we pray that you would move by your spirit, quicken your word. Speak, Lord, thy servant listen. In Jesus' name, amen. Amazing grace seen in the life of a saint. The Apostle Paul is writing here to a church in Galatia, and he's, 
he's helping the church because the church was getting confused because people were bringing error into the church. And then there was wrong practice. Uh, one of the leaders, Peter, uh, was bowing to the pressure of peer pressure, if you will. Peter was eating with Gentiles, and this, this, this Jew who was eating with Gentiles, when the Pharisees started coming, he got away from the Gentiles. And so Paul rebuked him. Why? Because he wasn't walking in accordance to the course of the gospel. And then Paul shares with Peter what Peter knew and had experienced and what Paul had experienced. Paul said, Peter, we know. See, Christianity is something you can know. It doesn't bypass the mind. It does come to the mind. But it doesn't stay in the head. It transforms the heart. So Christianity is something you can know theologically, but you must experience personally. It's the word and truth. And so Paul was talking about the whole Christian life. And so Galatians 2.20 is the, is the verse that every saint could identify themselves in there. If they're Christian, they can be able to say this verse because it's a real to them. And if you're a Christian this morning, I trust it encourage you in your Christian faith. And if you're not a Christian, I would let you, ask you to let the ver verse examine you and bring you to a place that you can say with Paul, by grace, I'm identified with Christ. So what are the four things? Well, the first thing is, Paul talks about his identity. In verse 20, Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. The Christian life begins with a new identity. Why? Because man lost his identity. When Adam sinned against God, he lost his identity. Adam was created by God, and God told Adam, you remember in, in Genesis, not to eat from this tree of knowledge of good and evil. When you eat from this tree, you should surely die. Where Eve take from the tree and give it to Adam, and then sin came. And then Adam and Eve began to hide. Why? Because they had lost their relationship with God. They had come out of the light into darkness, and now they were dead. Yes, they had lost life because life was a relationship with God. And so they had an, had an identity that was not from God. And that's why the Bible can say all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And Ad, so Adam, and because of Adam, Every person born after Adam, born on Adam's team. I was talking to the football group. I said, we're all born out of bounds. Adam sinned and ran out of bounds, and all of us were born children of Adam. We're born out of bounds. <laughs> That's the bad news. But there is good news. But good news is not good news until you know the bad news. Because if you're out of bounds, how do we get back in bounds? And that's what Paul learned on the road of Damascus. He learned that what Christ had died, this Christ who he was persecuting Christian and he was willing to try to wipe out this religion. But on the road of Damascus, he saw that it was the Lord he was fighting. Paul, Paul, Saul, Saul, why persecute me? Why? Because to touch one of God's children is to touch God himself. Because the church, Christians are the apples of God's eyes. And so Paul came to realize that he was a sinner, and, but, but he also realized that there was a savior. His identity, I've been crucified with Christ. Why? Because Paul, on that road, saw that Christ was his substitute. He was out of bounds, but Jesus Christ came into the world to die for our sins and was buried and rose again. And so, therefore, Jesus Christ brings us back in bounds. He's my substitute. In my place, condemned, he stood. He died in our place. But also, Paul saw him not as, just as a substitute, as a sacrifice, he bore our sins, Peter said, in his body on the tree. Jesus paid it all. The wages of sin is death, 
But Jesus died in our place. In my place, condemned he stood. And not only was he a sacrifice, but he was a savior. Why? Because he conquered man's greatest enemy, which was death. Jesus Christ died and was buried, but he rose from the grave. And Paul said, Lord, what must I do? Because he's the Lord of life. And so Paul came to know Jesus Christ as his savior, as his sin bearer, as his substitute, as his sacrifice. And so grace brought him into identity with Christ. Let me ask you this this morning. Is your identity with Christ? Or are you trying to find identity like Wallace Francis? Well, I found identity in a lot of things that I did. What I have, what I can do, what I have, where I go, who I know. That's just identity in temporal things. Paul found identity in the eternal thing, God himself. Oh, Jesus Christ gives us an identity. We lost our identity at the tree in the garden. You gain your identity back at the tree of Calvary. Why? Because at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burdens of my heart rolled away. The cross is a place where we come back to a relationship with Jesus Christ. I mean, with God through Jesus Christ. It's identity. Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. I've been identified with Christ. Christ died for me. He died in my place, but he is my representative before God, and now I have peace with God. Every Christian could say that. Why? Because it was grace that taught your heart to fear, and grace your fear relieved. Grace shows us that we were wrong, and grace shows us how to get right. Grace taught me that I rebelled against God, and grace came that I might repent toward God and then receive Jesus Christ. Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. What a wonderful privilege. Now, let me ask you this morning, is your identity in Christ? Have you been to the tree of Calvary and said, Jesus Christ died on the cross, but he didn't just die on the cross. The Son of God loved me and gave himself for me in my place. Why? Because I'm a sinner, and I need to get right with God. And Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. So Paul could say, I've been crucified with Christ. He didn't say, I crucified myself. I've been. Something happened to me at the cross. When Jesus died, he was dying in my place, and I accept his death as my death. I accept his penalty as my penalty. I accept his substitute as being my substitute, and I accept his salvation that he offers as my salvation. To as many as receive Jesus, to them he give the right to become children of God. What a privilege to be a Christian. So Paul says, I have a new identity. I've been crucified with Christ. The second thing he says about this amazing grace, he says, yet it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Paul says, I've died. Yes, I've died to my life in this world. Because when a Christian comes to Christ, here's what they say in their heart. My life for my sake in this world is over. That's why the devil can't con condemn you. Well, the devil... Oh, devil, don't try to condemn me. I've already died. <laughs> I died in Christ. <laughs> and there's no condemnation for those who are in what? In Christ. So if you're a Christian, don't accept condemnation. Why? Because you can't be condemned. Jesus paid it all. <laughs> and so Paul, there's no condemnation for those who've accepted Christ as their Savior because he bore the condemnation of God in our place. It's amazing grace. And so Paul says, I live. So I've died, yet I live, not I, but what? Christ lives in me. 
And so the Christian life is not only identity with Christ, it's the indwelling of Christ. Christ lives in me. Yes, I died, but Christ gave me new life. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. A Christian is a new creature. What do you mean by new? They've been born again of the Spirit of God. It was grace that taught their heart to fear. Grace taught them that they were wrong. And then grace, their fear removed. I was blind, the hymn writer said, but now I see. I saw I was a rebel against God, but I saw God redeeming grace in Christ. And so now Christ has come to live in me. And so a Christian is a person who's been born again. Christ has come into your life. Give you a new mind. You think differently. Why? Because you're being renewed by the word of God. Be not conformed to this world, but you transformed by the renewing of your mind. And also you have, new, you have a new will. Before I became a Christian, I didn't have a desire to read the Bible. Didn't even understand it. But I had a will now to want to read the Bible and obey the Bible. What had happened, God had given me a new will. Not my will anymore, Lord, but your will be done. But then he also he gives you a new passion. Where there was a passion for that which was against God. Now I have a passion to know God. Well, who's like that? Every Christian has that passion. Why? Because Christ is in him. You have a hunger and thirst, it says in the Gospel of Matthew, for righteousness. Have a hunger. I want to know him. And that's, what, that's the end of Paul's life. He always, I want to know Christ. You know him, but you want to know him. And so, therefore, there was a new identity uh, with Christ and a new indwelling with Christ. If I could use my, my wife, Cheryl, many of you met and know, Cheryl was a Sutton before she married me. Don't say poor thing. But before she married me, she was a son, but she married me, and she became a Francis by marriage. I was a sinner. I married a savior, and I became a saint. Not by performance, but by marriage. Christians are saints. Why? Because they married a savior. And when a sinner comes to the cross and receives the savior, they become a saint. Why? Because of a legal relationship and a loving relationship. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. And we become Christian. Paul became a Christian because of a relationship that he had with Jesus Christ at the cross. That's why we can say, at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. And the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by Faith, I received my sight. Now I'm happy all the day. Why? Because at the cross is the place where we get restored. We lost our identity at a tree. Our identity is restored at a tree, the tree of Calvary. So Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live and not I, but Christ lives in me. Christ is our life. For me to live is Christ, Paul says. Why? Because Christ in you is the hope of glory. I was sharing with the group early this morning if you've been born again and you're a Christian, you're going to heaven whether you like it or not. Sorry, you got to go. Why? Because Christ is in you. And he who began the good work, going to finish it. Why? Because God saves us, and then he seals us with his Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is going to form Christ in us. The love of God has been shared abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. If you're a Christian, you've been born again. And if you're not a Christian... God is have you this morning. Why? Because he wants to make you a new creature. He wants to change your mind, change your heart, and change your will and give you a new heart. A Christian is a person that has a new heart.
We, took, we take our heart of sin out, God does, and give us a heart of salvation. That hardened heart for a heart of flesh. What is that? Amazing grace. The, second, the third thing Paul says that Christ was to him, look what he says in verse 20 again. I've been crucified with Christ, so I'm identified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So Christianity is the indwelling of Christ. Then the third thing Christianity is, Paul says, in the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. The Christian life is a life of faith. It's dependence upon a person. Not only identity with a person and the indwelling of a person, but I depend upon this person. The Christian live by faith. Now notice, some people say, well, boy, it's blind faith. No, it's not blind faith. It's faith that sees. Moses endured as seeing him who is invisible. A Christian was blind, but now they see. Why? Because grace opened our dark hearts to see that we were rebels against God. And then grace calls us to see the salvation that's from God. It was grace that taught my heart to fear. Grace, my fear relieved. So our eyes have been opened. So it's not a blind faith. We've come to trust in Jesus Christ. As the hymn writer says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame. I wholly lean on Jesus' name. In Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other grounds, sink and sand. Why? Because you come to rest. I was sharing uh, before, maybe I've shared here before, my young daughter, Brittany, who is 36 years old right now. Yeah, I know it's hard to believe I have a 37-year-old daughter. 36-year-old, yeah. She was five years old. We had just come from Bible school. We had three kids at that time. Carmen wasn't born, and uh, the two boys were in strollers. We had double strollers, and Cheryl was uh, pushing the two boys, and Brittany was holding Daddy's hand. She may have been four years old or so. And so we were walking there in the zoo in Atlanta, and we were around some animals, and Brittany became alarmed. I don't, I, don't, I don't remember what animals they were, but she started crying. And, and then I picked her up and put her on my shoulder and, and just patted her back. And she, she was fine. And we just kept walking through. And, and she didn't know that if the animals got out, Dad had to run too. <laughs> but in her little mind, Dad had picked her up. Dad held her and was say, patting her. And guess what? Everything was fine. She had come to rest her security in dad. What does it mean to, to live by faith? I come to rest my weary soul on Jesus Christ. And God is, becomes our father. And why did Brittany not cry anymore? Because in her little mind, she believed dad loved her. And dad will protect her. And nothing will happen to her. Why? Because dad has her. Let me say this, brothers. A Christian has come to rest. My hope is built on nothing less. You've rest in the promises of God. You've rest in the person of God. And you've rest in the provision of God. Jesus Christ paid it all. And so it becomes a rest. And that's, that, it's a rest of faith. You know, there's a song. Jesus, I'm resting, resting. Or there's another song, too. You probably heard this one. Standing on the promises. Well, some people say, I'm stumbling, stumbling on the promises of God, but that's not the scripture. I'm standing, standing, standing on the promises of God. What? We have to stand on this promise. Why? Because his promises are true. And you can trust him. 
Yes, you and I can trust him better than Brittany can trust her dad in that circumstance. Why? Because dad cannot control things that can happen. But God controls the world. And you can rest in Jesus. Why? Because he's God manifested in the flesh. And so you come and rest. Paul says, I live by faith in the Son of God. I've come to rest in him as my Savior. I'm resting in him as my substitute. I'm resting in him as the one who's going to lead me in the path of righteousness for your, his namesake. The 23rd Psalm become a real psalm to you. Why? Because the Lord is, is my shepherd, you say. And he leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. He's going to prove to me never alone. He's going to prove to you never alone. He's going to prove to you that you can cast all your cares upon me. He, he's going to prove to you that I love you. And I save you. And I want to prove to you that I am sufficient. My grace is sufficient. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. You weak, my strength is made perfect. Brittany in her little weakness, in dad's arms, she feels I'm weak. I can't handle things, but dad can. Let me say this. We can't handle things, but God can. His grace is made perfect in our weakness. As you and I, conscious of our weakness, we avail ourselves to his strength. Why? And that's why Paul can say later on in life, I can do all things through Christ who, what? Strengthened me. And so identity with a person, the indwelling of a person, and dependence upon a person. You're saved by grace through faith. You live by faith. You walk by faith. You obey by faith. Abraham obeyed God, not knowing where he was going. You know, as Christians, we don't always need to know where we're going. We just need to know who we're going with. I don't know what hold tomorrow, but I, I don't know what tomorrow will hold, but I know who holds tomorrow. We know who holds tomorrow. Why? Because tomorrow is today to him. And so, therefore, we can trust the Lord today because he has our today and tomorrow. And so you, you live by faith, and what faith does, faith pleases God. You know, faith Little Brittany's little faith pleased me. She didn't run to the police. She didn't run to the zoo owner. And she didn't even run to mom. She ran to me, me dad figure. She ran to dad. That little faith of my daughter pleased me. Guess what? What pleases God when you trust him with the details of your life? Not, I'm trusting him to get me to heaven. No, Lord. I need you moment by moment. Trust him with the details of life. Trust him in the details. Cast all your cares upon me. There's a verse, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding and all your ways. Acknowledge him. And guess what? He'll direct your path. Isn't it wonderful that God is our father? He's not just a father. He is our father. He is personally concerned about each one of his children. And no good thing will he withhold from them that walk upright before me. And so Paul could say, I live by faith in the Son of God. Who, who, why, Paul, why? Why do you live by faith in the Son of God? Well, the fourth thing is intimacy with a person. Look what Paul says. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Not only is dependence upon a person, it's intimacy with a person. The Son of God loved me, Paul says, and gave himself for me. Love, so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. 
That's the only response you can give to the love of God. And that love so amazing. Who loved us like Jesus? Who loved us like God? God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. Not when we cleaned up our life, but when our life was messed up. Not when our life became right. No, when our life was wrong, he died to clean us up. And so Paul says, the son of God loved me and gave himself for me. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But Paul said, the son of God loved me. Yes, God so loved the world, but the son of God loved you and gave himself for you. It's personal. It's intimacy with a person. He loved me. And so the Christian have experienced grace, not just the facts about grace, but the fellowship with the God of grace. The Son of God loved me. The Lord is my shepherd. God is my Father. And that's why we as Christians, when we come together, we can say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debt. Why? Because we, we are conscious that everything of our lives is all about God's sovereign grace and love. It's a merciful Heavenly Father. And so the, the Christian has a blessed hope. And so therefore, God says to us, we're the light of the world. In this dark world, we let our light shine. We're the salt of the earth. In a world that's being putrid, yeah, we're the salt. The only thing, the flavor that's going to stop the rot or purify that which is rotten is you are the salt and earth. And so we can't lose our flavor. Why? Because the flavor of the earth will come from the seasoned lives of saints who has the salt of God's love in their heart. And God's love has shed, been shed abroad in our heart. And as we walk with our shepherd, as we love one another, as we tell the old, old story, how a Savior came from glory and gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. How, how we heard about his growing of his precious blood of atoning, and then others repent of their sin, and they receive the victory. I'm thankful that two guys on the Falcon team was willing to tell that old, old story. I'm thankful that these guys paid my way to go to a conference that I heard the old, old story. I was thankful for come back after a week at a Bible study to go to a, a, a week of a conference and go to a Bible study and start hearing the word of God. And, and a doctor friend of mine gave me a tape by E.W. Tozer, and God brought me to experience amazing grace. Thankful that some people knew that old, old story <laughs> because that old, old story did, did a new thing in my heart. It made me a new creature. My wife got converted after. My sister got converted. My mom got converted. And my sister, who I led to the Lord, led my father to the Lord. And there's, uh, I came from a family, a small family of 14. 11 boys. But seven of us are saved now. I'm trusting God to get the rest of them. Why? But one, a few, two people prayed, shared the word, and lives, they don't even know, have been touched. Lives are being touched by saints today this church, and there are people that you and I are influencing. We don't even know who we're influencing. Why? Because God is at work, and that's why Paul was so committed to the truth of Christ and to correct people when they were, Peter when he was wrong about Christ because he knew that message changed life. 
How do you know, Paul? It changed Saul's life from a killer of Christians now to those who want to have communion all the time with Christians. Why? He was a new creature, a new creation. And the last thing is, is intimacy, this intimacy. Turn with me, if you will, to Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to close with this verse. Paul said, this intimacy with Christ, not only am I identified with Christ, not only do Christ indwell me, not only do I depend upon Christ and Christ love me, but look what he says in Galatians 5, 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availed anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worked through love. Paul, why do you trust Christ like this? Why are you so consumed with Christ? Why are you talking about depending upon Christ? Because he loved me and gave himself for me. I can trust Christ. Why can you trust Christ? Because he loved you before you and I loved him. And we can love him because he what? First loved us. God demonstrated love toward us in that while we were yet sinners. Christ died for me. Amazing grace. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the prince of glory died. My richest gain I count but loss and poor contempt in all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, save in the death of Christ my God. All the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to his blood. Why? Because at the cross, at the cross, the Christian first saw the light and the burden of their heart rolled away. And how do we live? We cast our cares upon him. Some of us are Christians, and there are times there's difficulties. And the enemy tried to bring discouragement. But you have to do what David said. I told the group this morning, do what David said. You got to speak to your soul. Why are you cast down on my soul? Get up. Get out of Get up. Hope in God. Because sometimes you got to speak to your soul. See, your soul has to realize, soul, you're not lost anymore. Hope in God. Don't be cast down. Don't accept depression. Don't accept discouragement. Why? Because God our Father don't discourage us. It's not from him. Don't be double-minded. Why? Because double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. He doesn't want us to be double-minded. Don't try to handle it yourself. He says, cast all your cares upon him. He's a loving Heavenly Father. And so our soul, my soul has found a resting place, not in the vice of creed. I'm going to close with this last personal illustration, but it was one that the Lord met me in a very difficult time. I was uh, in Bible school, and uh, I was in my, going in my third year. Uh, we were having, getting ready to have our third child. We had two children, but we were getting ready to have our third child, and my mom and, and brother and sister was, uh, I hadn't been home in a year and a half, and they were concerned that I don't come home now as often as I used to, and, and uh when they'd call, I'd start talking about the Lord, and my mom and them thought I was in a cult because he left football, and he had this little, little school down there, and, and, and we call, and all he's talking about is Jesus and God. So they drove from Louisiana to South Carolina, Greenville, and mom got there, and, and I was shocked because I didn't know where they were coming, and so I was working that day out in the, in the field over there by the school. I was helping them b uh, dig a swimming pool that they were going to build for the school, and and the, the, one of the uh, instructors came out, it was the summertime, one of the instructors came out and said, well, your mom and, and, and brother and sister in, in the library are uh, waiting for you. And I was shocked. I said, what? 
So I was shocked. So I, I went uh, in there, and there's my mom was there, and I, was, I had these little dirty clothes over. My mom ran to me and hugged, oh, baby, what they doing to you? <laughs> you know, yeah, but so, so I, nothing, mom, just out here working, you know, and, and then my, so my mom and my sister was trying to talk, talk me, well, come on, just come on home for, for a few weeks. I said, mom, I can't come, I swear what happened. And Cheryl was pregnant with her uh, at that time. I said, mom, we can't go. So anyway, they, the next day they drove back to Louisiana. And anyway, uh, a few weeks later, I got a call from my older brother. And uh, he had, he had gotten fed up with uh, Wilder's left football and all the frustration he calling and, and mom and him crying, worried about him. And so my brother called me, uh, and he called me on the phone. And so I, I, uh, the phone was there at the school, and so I went to answer the phone, and he was on the other line, and we started talking. He said, what's going on? I just said, oh, nothing, just here in school. And, well, and he went on about we heard this and all that. And I said, well, the Lord just saved me, and I'm up here at school, and I'm just learning to walk with the Lord. He said, if you're that saved, you ought to just die and go to heaven. We all will be better off. <laughs> I needed that like I needed another hole in the head. But I remember I was just, you know, because this was a difficult time. We had a, one of our sons who had to have an uh, uh, operation uh, three weeks after he was born. Brittany was about, about maybe four years old at that time. Cheryl was pregnant with our, with our Matthew. And I was in my third year, and God was trying to make me unlearn everything I'd learned for 30 years. I mean, unlearn. When you, 30 years, and I told people, I had refined depravity. You know, you know how you those that, the down and out, I was up and out. <laughs> and so God was helping me to unlearn how to depend upon myself and, and weaning me. And, and it was just a difficult time in my life. And I remember going into the school that next morning, we had a class. And every time before this, this Romans class, before we'd, we'd uh, uh, have the teaching, the, 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 the teacher would have us to sing a hymn. And that morning, uh, the teacher said, and I forgot the number, but we turned to a hymn in our hymnal. And the hymn was, Be Still My Soul. The Lord is on thy side. Bear patiently the cross of grief or pain. Leave to thy God to order and provide. In every change, he faithful will remain. Be still, my soul. The Lord does undertake to guide the future as he has the past. Thy hope, thy confidence, let nothing shake. All now mysterious shall be bright at last. Be still, my soul. The wind and waves still know who voices rule while he dwelt below. Be still, my soul. And so God, through that song that morning, I don't know what was taught that morning, but that song ministered to my heart. And I said, be still, my soul. The Lord is on thy side. Bear patiently the cross. Of, leave to thy God to order and provide. In every change, he faithful will remain. And that's why we can sing, the church can sing, great is thy faithfulness. Oh, God, my Father, morning by morning, new mercies. Yesterday's mercies are not... For us today. It's new mercies. And so God began to teach me, oh, I'm a heavenly father, and I can comfort you in the valley. And he did. He can comfort you on the mountaintop. He can comfort you in the valley. But he is our comfort. And if you're not a Christian this morning, there is no comfort in the world until you come to the cross and let the comfort of the Holy Spirit change your heart and make the promises of God not only real, but real for you. Why? Because Jesus Christ came in the world 
to save sinners. And he wants to be a shepherd. That person leads you in the path of righteousness for, your name, for his name's sake. If you're not a Christian this morning, come to the Savior. And if you're a Christian, oh, saint, rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. Why? Because his grace is sufficient. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we do give thanks this morning that we can call you our Father. And we all who are saved in some degree can say your grace is enough. And we thank you for your grace in saving us. We thank you for your saving grace, for your keeping grace, your strengthening grace, your comforting grace, and for the privilege to proclaim your amazing grace. So I pray for your people this morning that you would do in us that we would bring glory to your name. And for that one bowed in your presence, open their hearts as you open his heart. Cause them to see their need and receive the one who's able to meet their very need, even Jesus Christ. Thank you for our time together in your word, in Jesus' name.